1: Tellez interviews Larry Ackerman. The Identity Code The Eight Essential Questions for Finding Your Purpose and Place in the World. Your Identity. Your uniqueness and the potential it holds. You've probably thought about how identity affects the success of your organization or even your own. And you've probably wondered about what makes you or your company distinctive and why that matters. Clarifying one's core identity is the foundation for creating value and being rewarded for it in return. Looking at the world through the lens of identity reveals purpose, bringing new sight and powerful new possibilities. Larry Ackerman's journey began as a very young child on a cold and unforgiving operating table in a hospital in New York City. He thought he would die. He thought something was wrong with him, but what Larry would discover is more powerful than anything he could have ever imagined—the power of identity. Larry is the author of the groundbreaking book, The Identity Code, and in this episode, he shares with us how to figure out the most important question in your life—who am I? Larry Ackerman is a leading authority on personal and organizational identity and the pioneer of identity-based management He is the president of the Identity Circle, a consulting and coaching firm in Westport, Connecticut. His corporate clients have included AARP, Dow Chemical, Fidelity Investments, Lockheed Martin, Maytag, National Geographic, and State Farm Insurance. Larry is also the author of the groundbreaking book Identity is Destiny Leadership and the Roots of Value Creation. He has been a guest lecturer at the Yale School of Management, Chicago's Booth School of Business, Wharton, Pepperdine, and UCLA Anderson School. He is also the author of numerous articles on identity and its impact on leadership, brand, and culture. Larry is a member of the International Coaching Federation and a credentialed coach who works with individuals and executives. To learn more about Larry Ackerman, please visit his website, LarryAckerman.com
0: In your own words, who is Larry Ackerman?
2: That's a great question to an identity guy, isn't it? Um, Yeah, so Larry Ackerman is um, a man who is driven by one central need, and that is to help people to see. That's what I do. That's who I am. And I help people to see what their potential really is. I also help them to recognize when they're going off on the wrong track. I work to help people in ways that allow them to see the right directions to go in and make better choices, Uh, in the course of their lives. That's who
0: I am. That sounds good. Really good. So I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about the topic in your book, The Identity Code, the eight essential questions for finding your purpose and place in the world. So my first warm-up question is, what is life to you?
2: Life to me reflects very heavily on the thinking of the Dalai Lama and uh, Desmond Tutu, who wrote a wonderful book called The Book of Joy. And The Book of Joy lays out eight pillars, which range from perspective and humility, humor, acceptance, forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. And for me, that's a pretty good summation of what I think life is really all about.
0: What do you think is the opposite of life?
2: Well, I don't know that there's an opposite of life. I think there's an opposite kind of life. And I think the opposite kind of life would be one where um, you are constantly uh, looking at the negative. Um, You're not at peace with yourself. Um, You struggle. Uh, One of the things that I write about in my book is uh, how people sometimes in the course of growing up are pulled away from who they actually are, truly are as a result of bad parenting or things that cause them over the course of their lives to suffer.
0: Right.
2: And to me, that would be the opposite.
0: What is the meaning of freedom to you? And are we free to make any choices and to be anything that we want to be?
2: Well, that's a wonderful question, uh, feeding right into the central premise of my book, which is <laughs> that... <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> I I don't think we are, in fact, free to be anything we want to be. I think that's one of the great uh, misnomers of modern life is that, you know, the the old expression, work hard, nose to the grindstone, aim high, and you can be whatever you want to be. Uh, I don't I don't subscribe to that. To me, you can't be anything you want to be, but at the same time, you actually have more potential than you know. Mm-hmm. And that potential is intrinsic in your in your identity. And if you can crack the code on who you are, that potential becomes self-evident. Um, so no, I don't think you can necessarily be anything you want to be, but there's a great deal you can be that is natural and logical.
0: I like your um, perspective. I guess we all have different ones. Um, so what is freedom? What is your own definition of freedom?
2: I think freedom is understanding that as human beings, we have choice. And to me, I think again, here, some of the folks I, I have high respect for is Viktor Frankl, yeah. who wrote the, uh, in search of meaning, yeah. uh, and who, in the course of his, um, internment in the in- concentration camps, recognized that the one thing that everybody has, no matter where you are, and no matter what your station in life is choice. And I think. To me, recognizing and owning that reality is a form of freedom.
0: At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And what is your vision for a new world?
2: Well, I guess the short answer is you know, everybody has a need to uh, get out from um, sheltering in place and get out into the world and live and work and do the things which you know, uh, are natural to who we are. Um, But I think the larger need for human beings is to love and be loved.
0: What is love to you? I think
2: for me, love is, it's not an an idea and it's not a word, it's an action. You know, to me, to, to love is to give, it is to be vulnerable, it is to engage, it is to communicate, it is to be intimate. Uh, that to me is what love is really all about, and that obviously goes both ways with with whomever your partner is.
0: What, where, and who is God to you?
2: Well, God to me, it's it's a force in nature. Uh-huh. It's a force in the universe. It is um, obviously indefinable in any literal sense of the term, and it is found not just outside. I'm, you know, whether you believe in heaven or hell or whatever, that's, that's not what, what I'm thinking. I think to me, and maybe I'm making a distinction here, but there's a, there's a a similarity between finding God and finding the divine Mm. in each of us. And to me, and this also is in the book, uh, that when you really, really understand who you are and you embrace it, there's, there's an extraordinary power uh, that comes with that and a sense of grace and it's like it's like finding the divine in each of us and you know again one of the people who wrote beautifully about this is um m scott peck who wrote uh, the road less traveled so that's how i think about god is it's it's a it's a phenomenal idea i guess it exists but the god that i'm most keenly aware of is that sense of the divine that resides within me in the in the most gracious and elegant and quiet way
0: do you think life has a purpose itself? And what do you think is the purpose or the main purpose of your life?
2: I would have to say that if life has a purpose, generally, it is to make a contribution to others, to create value in some form or other for other human beings, um, whether that's small or large, you know, grand or modest. But something that, that is an act of giving um, in constructive ways. I think that is a sort of a central sense of purpose. At least for me it is. And my purpose, as I said, you know, my identity is the fact that I'm driven by this need to help people to see. That is my purpose. That is why I am here. It's how I live, it's how I love. Um, it is it is a framework for living.
0: So, in a way you connect purpose to identity. Do you also connect those two words to mission?
2: Oh, yeah. So I actually, it's interesting you ask, because I do a, a fair amount of, of speaking on this topic and writing on this topic. And, you know, there are so many terms flo- you know, floating out there, right. mission and purpose and identity. And if you're in the, in the I mean, even personal brand, I mean, there's yeah. so many ways of getting at this idea. But my central belief is that if you really want to understand your purpose, you need to first understand who you are and that your purpose will emerge naturally. So, to me, identity is cause and purpose is effect. Oh, wow. And mission I could say the same thing. You know, identity is cause and mission is effect. My mission is to help people to see. My purpose is to help people to see. But that all emerges from the most fundamental notion, the bedrock of, of who I am as a human being.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The identity, in the sense, is... Um, it's almost the vessel, the tools.
2: Well, you know, the, the question underlying your question is, so what do I mean by identity? And to me, the definition that I use is something along the lines of it is the unique combination of characteristics that, that reveals your potential to create something of value in this world. It is born into every human being. And the, the challenge is to find it, to discover it, to articulate it and to live through it.
0: Yeah, I have um I have some questions, a specific question on that here. Um so yeah, that was my last warm-up question and let's talk about your work and get to those questions. What was the inspiration and intention of writing your book The Identity Code?
2: Well, the inspiration um has been in me for a very, very long time. Um it's something I believe I got to a point in my life in my 40s where I said, you know, I really have to, I want to get this down. I need to codify this. I need to share it as much as a sense of, you know, legacy, whether it's 40 years later or whatever. But the specific um, motivation for me in writing the identity code was recognizing that I had a chance to do three things to help people. To recognize that these seemingly cosmic questions, like you know, who am I and what is my purpose or or um, what makes me special, that these questions, people go, like, oh, I can't answer that question. Yes, you can. I'm, I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to give you hope that you can. Number one. Number two, I'm here to help you do it. So if you read the book, you will discover concrete exercises to actually help you as a human being answer those questions for yourself. And the third motivation for me was. The idea that if I did this well, I would have the opportunity to increase the prospects that you would be a happier person. So hope, help, and happiness.
0: Yeah. Do you connect hope to faith and trust?
2: No, I actually make a distinction. Um, I think hope, you know, they're all important in their way. I mean, hope is so fundamental to the human condition. If you give up hope, if you lose hope, if you have no hope. (laughs) there's no point going on but i think uh the second word was faith and what was the third word trust okay so that's a good sequence so you begin with hope that you hope something's going to work out one way or another i think though the next deeper level is is a matter of faith faith that things will work out i'm not hoping i believe it i i may not be able to you know track it or articulate exactly how it's going to unfold. But something in me deeply believes this is going to happen. I have faith that it, it will, in fact, happen. And then the third element you said was, one more time?
0: The difference between hope, faith, and trust. But then you brought the word belief. Oh, that's interesting. Another word that's similar. Well, I
2: think, I think faith, to me, and trust are very, very close cousins. Right. You know, when you have a great sense of faith, you are implicitly trusting that something will happen, something good. So,
0: True. So when did you discover that you wanted to specialize in this specific field of personal and organizational identity?
2: (laughs) I'm not sure I discovered it. I think it discovered me.
0: Yeah, I like that better.
2: (laughs) Um, You know, I think that the story, the backstory, which is worth sharing with your listeners, that really spawned all of this was started when i was a child i was four years old and i was in the hospital um, i was in the hospital to get my eyes fixed i was born cross-eyed and parents put me in the hospital to have that surgery done so i'm in the hospital and i'm i'm alone parents were not allowed into operating rooms at the time and i'm on the gurney and i'm, I'm strapped down with these canvas straps across my chest and my pelvis to keep me locked down um and, and suddenly I'm looking around, I can't see either parent, and I'm feeling this increasing sense of terror grow inside of me. And again, I'm four years old, I have no idea what is going on, even though my parents attempted you know, to tell me. So the, the situation gets worse and more frightening, and at one moment I actually thought I was going to die, and I didn't know why, and I asked myself a question inside. And the question is, what is so wrong with me that I must be changed from who I am?
0: Mm.
2: And in that moment, I had this extraordinary uh, sense of being alive, a consciousness about my own life. And then everything went black. But ever since that experience in the hospital, um, identity has been the governing force in my life.
0: Wow. That is interesting. You're so young to have, I mean... One would think too young to have those uh, deep questions.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it's an, it's extraordinary what children are capable of. Uh, I've read a lot about this, and you know, I have my own story, my own experience, but others have theirs, and it becomes seared into your memory uh, as though it had happened, you know, yesterday.
0: So let's talk a bit more, explore more this idea of identity. So you already gave me the the explanation, the description of what identity is. Yeah, the definition of identity. Mm -hmm. So how is it different from Mm -hmm. uh, the roles we play in life in general? And also, what is true identity? What does it mean when you say true identity? What do you want to say exactly with that?
2: Well, let's put those two questions together. One of the biggest challenges I think we face today is that the idea of identity has become super popularized in the sense of, you know, identity politics, uh, in the sense that even today in the age of COVID-19, there is what I term an identity crisis because you know now it's either are you under 70 or over 70 are you a male or a female are you in a rural community or an urban community and all of these things contribute to labels which we one way or another take on but none of that including the the labels that are assigned to us in terms of identity politics tribal labels are republican democrat liberal conservative whatever um, have anything to do with what i'm talking about and to me the you know what is it you call it true identity authentic identity is something that as i said earlier is born into you it is the seeds of your identity are planted at conception much like your dna defines you physically the seeds of your identity will define you uh in terms of your emotional and psychological being and One of the interesting aspects, I'm probably going beyond your question, but it's worth sharing, is that in the course of your life, it is my belief that your identity never changes. You're always who you are. However, however, how you express your identity can change a thousand times. So it's like a paradox. You know, you are who you are, but how you bring yourself into the world can change many, many times. So it's both an anchor as well as an opportunity. And to complete the thought, labels, whether there were labels I mentioned or other labels like, you know, I'm a man, I'm a woman, gender, gender labels, gender identity, racial identity, ethnic identity, all of these things that we say, oh, I am a, I'm a professional, I'm a consultant, I'm a broadcast, you know, commentator. That is not who you are. What you do is not who you are
0: so yeah who we are is connected to what you mentioned earlier to the purpose and mission of one's life is there a difference between the identity code and the laws of identity
2: uh actually wonderful question no they are um totally symbiotic the identity code and the eight questions that underpin the book are anchored even more deeply by the eight laws of identity, which are, in my view, uh, natural laws. They just exist. You know, they, they're they in nature. And I believe in the identity code, as I have in my first book, uh, I articulate those laws um, chapter by chapter at the top over the beginning of each chapter. So the idea, then, is to make sure you recognize that this isn't me making stuff up, this isn't, you know, some frivolous brain you know, experience that just comes up, but rather there's a, there's a deep um, bedrock that informs this work. And in, not just this work, it informs everybody. These laws of identity, whether you like it or not, and whether you know them or not, are always at work.
1: I
0: find very interesting something that you said that I read, <laughs> written by you. You say that life has an, an order. So what kind of order?
2: Good. So taking uh, the eight questions, there is a sequence to these questions. When I said life has order, we would typically not think that life has order, that life is more likely to be a random walk that, you know, I'll do something today and and I'll figure out something new tomorrow and I'll just roll with the punches or, you know, my life will change uh, over the course of it, which is Okay, But what I'm saying is a little different. I'm saying that life actually does have order. That if you live the identity code that each of us contains, you will see a very logical sequence of how life is designed to unfold in terms of being human. And and the eight questions are actually presented in that sequence from the very most basic question about who am I, which... Is really just a starting point to give yourself permission to do the spade work you need to do in order to answer the question to the next question. What makes me special, which is where you begin to really uncover the, the pillars of your identity to the next question about uh, is there a pattern to my life, which gets you to begin to look. Uh, all the way back to your childhood all the way to the present day about special milestones that have been so fundamentally important to your life not to your parents not to your teachers not to your friends just to you so the whole thing begins to develop much like climbing a mountain and you get you know further and further up and you develop more and more knowledge about yourself and finally in question five what is my gift is when you reach the summit of that mountain, which is to say, ah, I can put this information together. You know, my identity is X. The statement of my identity is some, whatever it is. On the other side of the mountain, you kind of begin to trend down. You get into the more practical questions of who can I trust? And you begin to look at your set of the relationships of your life differently. Um, very concretely, by the way, to what is my message, which is, You know, how am I going to present myself to this world and when and to whom? And then finally, will my life be rich? And that's a, you know, the question there is all about creating a life framework or or what I'll call an integration plan where you now begin to link uh, the activities of your life back to your identity. So you're beginning to create a fully um, identity based uh, framework for living. So that's that's the sequence I'm talking about. And life, in fact, does have order.
0: Right. Um, I think I have a question about what is my gift? What if we have more than one? Because we do have, I have more than one, <laughs> four or five.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I use the language, you know, I think here a writer has the opportunity to use language in ways that he or she wants to. Um, and people have asked me that question many times. And it's actually interesting because way back in question two, where the question is, what makes me special, uh, is really the question where the kind of gifts you're talking about are revealed and articulated. Um, And you start out, it sounds very basic. What are the activities that you love, the things you just love to do, four or five things? And the discipline is to begin to look into each of those, asking the question in regard to each of those activities, well, why, you know, why do I love skiing? And then once you answer that, well, why do I, why did I say that? And then why did I say that? So it's an unfolding, it's a revelation that gets you to really understand what your deeper gifts are. And they become the basis for moving forward up to that last or to the fifth question, which is the one you're recognizing about what is my gift. So there. I've decided to use the term gift as a, um, a, a metaphor for, uh, for identity. And in that chapter, I write that your identity is your gift to the world.
0: The question, who can I trust, is an interesting one too. Uh, why is this, this one important? Why is this part of, um, of the eight questions?
2: Well, because as, as you well know, you can't or shouldn't trust everybody you come in touch with. But the idea here, and this is really where things start to get interesting. The idea is that each of us has our own identity circle. It's our inner identity circle. Uh and that inner identity circle never usually has more than four or five or six people in it. And of course, the only permanent member of that circle is you. But to understand, you know, terms when I'm talking about trust, I'm talking about let me take you there. There's a way you can ask yourself a question, like, who can I trust to paint my house? You know, that's one level of trust. Under that, under that there's a trust, which is, who can I trust to babysit my kids Saturday night so I can, you know, get out, go to dinner, whenever that's possible, um, and, you know, relax for a couple hours. And under that, there's another level of trust, which is, who can I trust, say, to take care of my ailing parents? That's even deeper and more significant. But there's even a deeper level of trust that I'm getting at, which is who can I trust will want what I have to give. And by the same token, whose gift will I want and cherish? So to me, who can I trust really means who will want to benefit, who will look for and and take advantage of what my identity holds in terms of how I make a contribution in this world. And so that, when I'm talking about trust, that's what I'm getting at. And so when I talk about your inner identity circle, I'm talking about a fairly small handful of people who really will step up to that um, that desire.
0: Could that question also be answered by um, myself, uh, self trust?
2: Absolutely. I, it's a wonderful question. Because I'll tell you a quick story. I was doing a uh, seminar in a graduate's school program uh, at a business school and I that was the question we were all talking about it and I I love being in environments where you know the conversation is not just me talking but interacting with other people so these guys are all talking about who can I trust and toward the end there's maybe a five-minute conversation um, a gentleman in the very back row raises his hand and everybody looks at him I say yeah you know call on him he says I don't even trust myself And I'll tell you that that classroom just got stone quiet. You know, then it was suddenly a couple of minutes, a moment later, some of his friends are going, well, why do you feel that? way? talk to me about that. Anyway, so yes, of course, it begins with self-trust. If you can't trust yourself, who else can you trust?
0: Right, I can imagine it. That would be really, it would be a challenge, a much bigger challenge. And uh, for your last question, will my life be rich? Um, I'm wondering if this could also um, inspire um, answers like based on beliefs and perhaps unrealistic ideas about life and ourselves.
2: Well, yeah, and again, the question you know, the obvious or the, the knee-jerk response would be, uh, yes, I want to make, you know, a lot of money or I want to make enough money to live on or whatever it is. Um, but obviously that's not where I'm going. I mean, I think money is important. Um, but w- will my life be rich is, you know, the the underlying question is, what does rich mean to you? You know, it could be money. It's okay. It can be recognition. It can be your, uh, it can be love. Love is a form of of. You know, wealth, it really depends on how you, what kind of life you want to live. So, will my life be rich? begins with you articulating, you know, what do I want out of this life? What's going to make a difference to me, you know, um, going forward?
0: Yeah, I like that, Larry. The understanding of that word, right? Uh, Rich. It could be financial or it could be emotional, spiritual, right? There's so many kinds. Um, Talk to me about if we have not, you have not already talked about, identity-based living, and also the fear of uncovering a bad identity.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, identity-based living is basically what we have been talking about now for a while. What I'll do, though, to, to, to punctuate that is to stress the notion that when you grab a hold Of your identity and this is not some intellectual exercise this this requires some work but as i said earlier it can be done it it begins to take on a life of its own what happens is and it, it is virtually involuntary you begin to look at your relationships through a new lens it'll just happen you know you might have you know you might be a very social person and have you know two dozen quote unquote friends or more and But when you know who you are and you say, you know, I want to I want to really live this life, then you're going to begin to get pretty cautious about who, as I said earlier, really wants that in return or who just enjoys your company. So you begin to stratify your friends into into various groups. It'll just happen, I guarantee you, naturally. So uh, identity based living is and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you can do whatever you choose to do, but something inside of you is going to begin to operate at a pretty high frequency and with a high degree of self-knowledge. And so the work you do in the world, do you really like what you're doing or are you kidding yourself? No. Uh, is your relationship with your partner uh, genuine or not? Could you take, for example, if you knew your identity, could you go to him or her and say, I want to tell you something profoundly important to me and share this, you know, and would they say, that is beautiful, Valeria. Or would they say, right. where would that come from? So that that's the notion of identity-based living is is really about allowing you to uh, let your identity, in a way, take the
0: lead. Yeah, that kind of makes me think about intuition, the way you talk, being guided by our own inner voice, inner wisdom, inner knowing.
2: I think that's true.
0: Yeah, uh, I like That's that.
2: true. You asked a, a related question, which I think is important, which I touched on. You know, what happens <laughs> look, what happens if I discover I have a, right. a bad a right. bad identity? Right. Let me assure you you don't. To me again in the work that I've done for 35 years, there is no such thing as a bad identity. That that identity, human identity is an inherently positive force It is naturally it wants to give, it wants to express itself. You can't have a bad identity. What you can have is a bad upbringing, um or bad teachers or you know, in some situations where your natural identity is suppressed
0: right?
2: Uh, or, you know, people have parents who say, this is what I want you to be. I want you. You're going to be a lawyer because lawyers make money and you can, you know, have comfort. And, you know, you might be four or five years old. What are you going to tell your mom or dad? No, I'm not. You know, so you may go down that path, but there's a part of you that will resent the heck out of it and will be very uncomfortable because you weren't designed to be a lawyer. Maybe you were designed to be an architect. Um, So that's when you can get in trouble.
0: That's interesting when you say that there's no such a thing as a bad identity. Bad identity.
2: No, no.
0: What would you say about mental illnesses and such as, let's say, the worst of all, in my opinion, psychopathy? They can't tap into these um, their true identity, right? I think
2: that unfortunately. Yeah, no. I wish I could give you a a thoughtful answer. I don't know enough to give you an authentic answer. What I do know, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, This may or may not be relevant. Uh, When the book first came out some years ago, I got a lot of emails from readers, and I one email from a woman somewhere out west um she said it was a sweet email she said i love your book really great she said i wish i had read it 10 years ago you would have saved me thousands of dollars in therapy bills and you know i took that to heart i mean that meant a huge amount to me but i don't know you know if people have you know some people have bad wiring at birth some people have real problems some have all kinds of profound um psychological you know challenges that whether they are whether they were um put upon them or whether they were you know are they natural i don't know and i'd like to believe and i guess this is the best way for me to answer the question i would like to believe that if they were able to tap into what we're talking about that they would gain a degree of of, uh, freedom to use your word earlier and sense of self-belief which clearly did not exist at that point.
0: I'm wondering what are the obstacles to uncover our true identity? I really mean the resistance. What are some of the resistance that we have?
2: Oh, wow. Okay, so resistances. Let's say you're 40 years old and you're stuck in a job and you don't know really what you want to do and you have the wisdom to, or you came across the book and you're interested in this work, and you want to do it but you're afraid that you're going to discover that you've basically blown your life to this point
0: right
2: right okay a lot of resistance i'm not sure i i want to do it but you know what i don't know that i really want to find out that i've made a mess of this of right. things yeah. um that's clearly a resistance point another one is kind of getting at what you said earlier um i i don't want to you know i don't want to find out that i'm a bad person or <laughs> Or another one is I don't want to, you know, open up this Pandora's box and discover something really fabulous and nobody will know what I'm talking about and I'll lose my friends or my family will think I'm crazy. So those are three big ones um, and they all require very careful uh, guidance. You know, But the good news is nobody's going to ask that question or be concerned about those things if they had not already decided to explore what's going on inside.
0: True. And that could be one of my next questions. What makes us to desire to even want to get there when most of our lives are so invested in our identity and most of the time our identity is just uh, fake, we have been pretending to be?
2: I think we reach a point in our lives which may be conscious or at least initially unconscious where we don't want to suffer anymore. Maybe you've been in two or three jobs and not none has fit and you know, there's something wrong here, you know, whatever that wrong means. Or you may be in, in your third relation, marriage, and you go, you know, this isn't working, you know, and, and maybe it's not her fault. Maybe it's my fault uh, or my problem. So I think there's got to be some kind of a trigger, something that leads you to wake up at two in the morning looking at the ceiling, going, I need help. I need whatever that means, whatever it looks like, I'm ready for help. Um, And because I don't want to suffer anymore.
0: Wow, I love that. It resonates with me, which makes me think about another question. (laughs) Because life is very complex and it's um, from my experience, I'm not that old, but I, I have experienced this imbalance sometimes that life, it's not just happy and peaceful and great all the time. There are times where we suffer. So I'm wondering if there are some kinds of sufferings that we are willing to end by uncovering our identity, as you, um, you teach, and other kinds of suffering that we just choose to make peace with it and accept.
2: I, you know, it's all by degree. It's all by degree. It's it's how, how much pain are you in? Yeah. I think, you know, we all do suffer. I suffer Many times, on for various reasons, I go. You know what? It's not worth. This is not a major deal. But I'm very. I'm. i so self-aware. Yeah. I, it helps. <laughs> I, I can re. I can read my feelings very, very keenly. Um, so I think it's a matter of degree. You know. And you know when those alarm bells go off. I mean, if you ignore those, you are in trouble. You know. One of the things that I say in um, in my talks that I give or presentations is that sometimes a career challenge is really an identity challenge. Sometimes a personal challenge, it's really an identity challenge. And so if you're going to solve it or meet the challenge, maybe you want to take a couple of steps back before you try to go forward. You, you know, it gives you a much better, stronger platform from which to um, assess what is right to do and what is not right to do.
0: Yeah. And then again, like you just said, if we are Self-aware, then it's much easier to make that move, right? To make that change and adjustments,
2: right? I think self-awareness is fine, but there's another element that is important, uh, and that is courage. You know, you may not be entirely self-aware. This may be all new, but there's something inside of you that says, I am going to do this. What have I got to lose, you know, essentially? Um, So it takes a bit of courage. And I, I respect the heck out of people who bring that courage to, to relationships with me. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. Yeah, it seems like in a way every change or major change begins with courage, right? And um, I have another question here about, yeah, how do we know for sure when we have finally discovered our true identity?
2: Because your body warms like standing on a Caribbean <laughs> beach, In the midday sun.
0: Oh boy, that sounds good.
2: (laughs) And everything inside quiets and everything softens, and you stop and you feel an awareness, an alertness, and a stillness that you go, I have, you know, it's like uncovering a treasure. You look at the treasure and you go, my God, that is just beautiful. That's how you know.
0: That makes me think about inner peace, being at peace within.
2: Well, I, I believe very heavily in inner peace. In fact, in, in Identity Code, uh, early in the book, I define happiness because I know people want to know, what do you think of happiness is? And I call it, I say to me, happiness is um, being at peace with yourself among others in the world. Yeah. So you're not a hermit. You operate in the world. You have relationships. But you do so from a place of, of tranquility.
0: Yeah, and what a wonderful state of being, of mind to be, right, Larry? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book before I ask you my final questions?
2: In short, there is no person walking this planet who doesn't have the capacity to live through his or her identity. If we were to make identity the foundation of our lives, it would be a better, more productive world. But my vision is at best a hope. You are the one who matters. You are where the world begins. As you open yourself up to the possibilities your identity code reveals, remember that you are inviolable. You have value in this world simply as a result of being who you are. No one can take your identity away from you. No one can make you be someone you are not. That is your strength and it is eternal. Never lose sight. Of who
0: you are oh, that's wonderful sounds very spiritual too <laughs> to me very spiritual thank you larry for um what you do your work your message it's truly wonderful yeah. and um so my last questions they are somewhat unrelated to the subject but you can always link it back <laughs> to it uh, how do you define success what is to be successful
2: well i think success begins with finding happiness, you know, what makes you happy in the deeper sense. What gives you joy, uh, to me, is the basis for finding success in this life.
0: What was the hardest lesson to learn about your identity?
2: To surrender to it, to let it be my guide.
0: Do you believe in unconditional self-love?
2: Well, if I understand the term, I think yes. Um, which is that uh, while we can be i don't think you just love yourself no matter what i mean self-flagellation is not cool um you know not taking care of yourself physically is not cool Um, but i think the idea of loving yourself unconditionally when it's a positive and constructive experience absolutely i believe in that
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, by loving or accepting something unconditionally kind of opens, like opens that space for change in a much healthier way than the opposite, right? Rejecting or hating sure. something about us that it's not cool, as you put it. <laughs> um, if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently?
2: The only thing I would do I would at the moment other than tell the people I'm closest to how much I love them, is to, (laughs) this is gonna sound funny, uh, finish the memoir that I'm working on because it's a very important part of my story and I'd like that to be part of my legacy. I'm actually, I have a call at 4.30.
0: Yes, yes. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today?
2: I know I'm grateful for being in it. I know that life is hard and will never be easy. And I know that without love, there is really no life at all.
0: Wow, really great. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: Sure. Uh, I would invite you and and your listeners to go to my website, which is LarryAckerman.com. Very simple.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Larry, for your wisdom and presence. And we'll talk soon.
2: Thank you. i really enjoyed it. Take care.
0: Bye for now. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Larry Ackerman, please visit his website,
1: LarryAckerman.com.